Welcome everyone to the Fallen Off the Watchtower podcast. It is a podcast for people who are leaving, have left, or in the process of leaving Jehovah's Witnesses, and the focus is going to be here on encouragement and recovery. Uh, tonight, once again, you've got your hosts, my name Ben. And my name is Juice. What's up, everybody? Good to hear from you again, man. Um, How's it going? It's going okay. It's been a kind of a rough day, especially <laughs> especially getting here to this podcast. We had some technical issues. Yeah, we literally spent about 30 minutes trying to figure out the microphone situations here. Yeah, so, but it's good now. So tonight, we're going to discuss uh, the definitions uh, for Jehovah's Witnesses and what those mean, because... Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult, and one of the main things that cults do is they like to redefine words so that they have mm-hmm. definitions that only apply to the people inside of that cult. Right. Um, and a way of redefining the reality of the people who are in there. Exactly. Actually, this kind of was inspired because I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and they asked me, I was a Jehovah's Witness and what it meant that was disfellowshipped and what that stood, what that really meant. Mm-hmm. Um, a good question. Yes. So uh, disfellowshipping is what they determine as a discipline. So uh, if you mess up in the Jehovah's Witness cult, then you've got a couple of options. Uh, you can not say anything and hope no one caught you. If, <laughs> which is what most people do. <laughs> which is what most people do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, That's a funny point, but yeah, I, to, I did not expect you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can then, or you can, um, what usually happens is that people feel so guilty because this organization does a very, very, very good job of making you feel like an awful person uh, that you will then report yourself to the elders. You will actually snitch yourself out, and um, then the elders will deal with you after that, which we'll discuss ah. next. The highest form of a snitch. Yes. Yourself. Self-snitch. Yeah. Um, The other thing is, one of your friends or spouse or anyone close to you will also um, find out about you. And then what they will do is give you an ultimatum. And that ultimatum is, you can tell or I will tell if you don't tell. And they will usually give you to the next meeting, which is usually less than a week away. Jesus. And <laughs> before you talk to the elders. And because they feel like that's what they're supposed to do. Because this organization has so strongly told people that if you snitch on somebody or you get them to snitch on themselves, basically, that you're doing them a favor spiritually. Uh, yeah. You're yes. saving them from themselves. Exactly. You're saving their spirituality and the spirituality of the congregation. Mm-hmm. So the fact is, of course, that none of that is true. But what happens, though, after you are determined to have messed up is the elders will come to your house or in some less formal way talk to you, two elders, and ask you if you did the things and... Not really ask for details, but they are kind of on a fact-finding mission to make sure what you did and how serious it is. If they determined it was very serious, they will then convene and have a judicial committee. Now, the judicial committee is a really, really bad place. It's not at your home. It will be at the communal hall. You'll Mm -hmm. be surrounded by three elders 
no matter what the infraction is and whether or not you're a woman. And also, because it's such a patriarchal organization, if a woman makes a mistake and she's married and she has a judicial commission committee, the husband is required to attend. However, if a man makes a mistake, the wife is not required to be there. Do, let me just make a note as to how medieval this sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, this sounds like something from the ancientest of days. And, I, and maybe, I suppose, that's by design. If you have a, 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 a perspective that says, oh, we need the church, we need a, a set of inquisitors to go out and, and gather some information. And then we need uh, uh, the people of faith to rat out the rat out or or to save uh other people of faith from themselves you know mm-hmm. like it's all like the level of brainwashing here is is it's really sc- kind of scary you know like that the whole idea that you would hold you will put yourself out no matter what you did like here's the thing because there's there's always tears like i imagine look if you murdered somebody you're gonna feel some guilt and you should probably be, you know, go register or, or confess or or do something, right? Right. But if it, if it's a situation where maybe I don't know, you you like because it's so particular. So like I'm trying to remember like what are some of the the, the smaller infractions that they would get you on. It's like you developed a habit of let's say looking at internet porn, for oh, instance. Man. Right. So. First off, the Bible Belt is just flooded with internet porn. So, <laughs> like, just denying your humanity, right? That's, that's to me, like, ignoring that is just denying your own humanity. But, uh, yeah, something like that, man. Like, that's, that's so private and personal that you would go to, not not, not your loved ones, not, not anybody who could actually be affected by it, but but to the heads of your church and be like, hey. But remember, uh, Danny, even I'm if you go this. to your loved ones, they're going to rat you out anyways. Oh, yeah, that too. Because they don't know what to do. They, they're not equipped to handle anything like that. So the only answer is go to the elders and hopefully they can help you. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was that's the only way it's handled. And once you finish with that judicial committee, they figure if, if you're repentant or not, I supposedly, and then they levy the punishment upon you. You have a couple of punishments that can come out of that. There's two main ones, and they have like a sub. Well, there's two main ones, and one of them has a subset. So you can be disfellowshipped, right? Mm-hmm. Or disassociated. Or not disassociated, I'm sorry. Or reproved. You can be reproved. Oh, right. I remember that. And approval has two little subset, subsets. There are. Private reproof and public reproof, which really and honestly doesn't mean a whole lot uh, because the punishment, the results of those punishments are still the same. Um, The third option for leaving or no longer being a Jehovah's Witness, the second option is disassociation to no longer be one of Jehovah's Witness. To kind of like drop out yourself. Right. But that's a little bit different because if you just drop out yourself... That's that's not exactly it. You actually have to write a letter to the congregation to be actually disassociated from Jehovah's Witnesses by their rules. Oh, 
interesting. Yeah. So it's very, very legal in the way that they handle those kinds of things. And uh, none of which, none of these arrangements are anywhere in the Bible. But the problem is, and what makes Jehovah's Witnesses much more dangerous than most any other religion that I'm aware of. And again, you guys can uh, message us on Outlook at FOTW Podcast at Outlook if you have any inf- more information about this. But if if you disassociate yourself or are disfellowshipped, they make an announcement from the platform one week later and say simply, your name, insert your name here, <laughs> is no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And what that right. is... It's very matter of fact. Yes. The reason why they changed it, they used to tell you what the actual infraction was from the platform. I don't know if you remember that when we were younger. They used to actually Uh, say that, but they got sued, so they can't say that anymore. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it's like, it's uh, not liable. Um, Putting the person on blast. Yeah, you're putting the person on blast, and it's, um, there's a word for it. I can't remember right now. I'll get back to it. Um, But... Yeah, so once that announcement is made, it's a signal to all of the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's a signal to your family, your friends, anyone that's associated with you that's a Jehovah's Witness, that they are no longer to speak to and or associate with you. If they don't live in your home, you cannot talk to them. And if they do live in your home, like for instance with me, after I was disfellowshipped, I was still married, Mm -hmm. you cannot talk to them about doctrinal things. Doctrinal things? Yes. What? So you can't talk... To the person you live with about the Bible? Correct. Or like JW activities or just, just the Bible? Like I don't... None of that. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of just weirdly specific. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can like, put like, two like and two together and Like what's going on in the JW organization the is like that secret. That they're like, whoa, you can't let this guy know what we studying the Watchtower this week. Well... It's not even it's not even that. The thing is, they do not want you influencing anyone in your house about with any thought that's uh, negative, yeah. you know, against Jehovah's Witnesses. So they because rather not course, run that risk. Because of course, at that point, the question that comes up is why, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and and then that's when the why start flooding in. That's exactly like, what happened with know? me. Mm-hmm. Because again, because it's so patriarchal, you're the head of the household, you're supposed to be handling all the spiritual stuff in the family. And then you can't do that anymore. And uh, my wife was involved in what they call um, public witnessing, where they stand on the street and they don't really even talk very much to people. They don't engage in conversations. They have little carts with publications and magazines and stuff in them and hand them out to people. Yo, so that's okay. So not to go off topic, but public witnessing, that's new. That wasn't around when I was in the organization. Right. It's relatively new. It's been around for maybe the last three or four years, maybe. So literally, the goal is just kind of stand there and model or something. Or yeah, you stand out there and ha- hand out literature to people, basically. And uh, that counts for like useful use of your time. It's ridiculous. No, it's it's awful. Like you're not really doing anything. You're literally standing next to a car. That's the loitering. I just get out here loitering. Like, they're just hanging out here loitering. Yeah, basically. loitering for the Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, and I. I started to get a little bit concerned because we've got all these threats of, you know, violence from whatever side, wherever. And most mm-hmm. of the work that my wife was doing was in highly populated metropolitan areas in D.C. and next to the Pentagon and stuff. And, I mean, you would like to believe that, you know, God's going to protect you and bad stuff like that happens. But you know what? I was still concerned about the safety of my wife. But none of those kinds of things yeah, yeah, were any things I could bring to her attention because I wasn't allowed to talk to her about it anymore. 
So yeah. that was a huge part of our relationship. So it wasn't right that I no longer got to talk to her about it. And, you know, one of the scary things is like when uh, or, or the like the most hurtful things is when that is their main link in, in the relationship. Like this is what the, the the couple does together or the family does together. Mm-hmm. Like if you're the JW family, like JW is like on purposely by design, like 90, maybe 85 percent of your life, you know, and if you're not able to talk with that person or those people who you're living with, who, who are your family, about the 85% of what they made your existence, and it's like what's left there to talk about, you know? Exactly. Like, there were times I just... It's not like you're watching any good movies at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it's exactly what became the issue in my marriage, because we mm-hmm. were sitting around, because I wasn't doing all that stuff, and I wasn't really doing the witnessing thing anymore. And I couldn't talk to her about the stuff that I knew about. And she couldn't talk about the stuff that I, that she wanted to talk about. And it was just, it was awful. It was the most awkward. It was like the most awkward date ever that just kept lasting. And it was at your <laughs> house and you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. So like, that, that was terrible. So having gone through that, I can understand again. And as we continue to mention in every episode, why it's so difficult for people to even consider leaving the organization, leaving Jehovah's Witnesses, because that's what you're looking down. You don't know how you can live without that association. Again, because Jehovah's Witnesses are told not to make associations outside of the religion. So all your friends are Jehovah's Witnesses. Your family members who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses, you don't really talk to either. So the only people you're close to in your family are also Jehovah's Witnesses. So if you are disfellowshipped or you disassociate yourself... You have no support system anymore because you've built around, you've built everything around the religion. That's right. You're solo. And, you know, uh, that brings up to questions like, okay, so you're in this strange, uh, which is essentially uh, excommunication. So you've been excommunicated, just fellowshipped or or outcasted. And then so they say, they, oh, you have a threshold for coming back. And, this, and, and the reason that you're you're pushed down the first place is because you're quote unquote like unrepentant. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's an interesting term, you know, because like how do you be repentant when you just got caught? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's, well, if, the if thing it was is, something that like you know you kind of didn't mind doing or it wasn't a problem, mm-hmm. you know, and then now you they you have to force this like you have to force yourself to be repentant without actually learning a lesson, right? Like like understanding and and and. Trying to change behavior comes with, or, or yeah, trying to change behavior comes with understanding and 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 an agreement that you have with, with the conflict. You know that's how things change. Mm-hmm. It's an embracing of it. But when it's just like, oh well, you better be repentant, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I mean, well the sure. thing is, like I mean, nobody's ever are. really just, yeah, yeah. I mean, after you know being. I'll cast it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, like even before that, like let's say you really do mess up, right? And I think in my case, I had like discontinued doing what I was doing. I mm-hmm. was working on like, you know, your spiritual uh, health is determined by how well you like study for the meetings and all that kind of stuff. I was studying for the meetings, doing the thing, and still got disfellowshipped. Uh, and they they tell you that it's because you know they have direction from the Holy Spirit or whatever to. Do that, and the truth is, they're just making it up as they go. 
yeah. They have no man. idea. Nope. They have no training in psychology. If they heard from God, they lose their mind. Yeah. <laughs> if they actually heard something, like, right. they would lose their <laughs> <laughs> Right. But the thing is, they, no. don't, they don't know anything. They don't know anything, even rudimentary, like psychological issues, how to handle that kind of stuff. They only know what supposedly they've been taught to be as far as, you know, what God is good with and what he isn't good with. And they don't actually know that either. So they just kind of make up the rules as they go. And if you do something that they really do not agree with, then you're out. And the minimum amount of time is going to be at least a year, unless they like you a lot. And again, they act like this is some sort of biblical thing, but it isn't. It doesn't come from anywhere in the Bible. Uh, the, The example they point to has nothing to do with it at all. And, um... So yeah, it's a, punitive, it's a punitive punishment created by people who wanted to keep power in an organization. Yeah, basically. And um, so another thing I want to, uh, some other definitions too, because we'll come back to that a little bit, because mm. there's another thing that also can get you kicked out very quickly and easily. But uh, the other thing I want to talk about as far as definitions in the congregation are your places in the congregation. There are um, titled positions. In the congregation, again, all of which are completely made up, unless you work for a book company, because yeah. when you are and studying, who reads books these days, right? It's all on my tablet. Well, I mean, it's an interesting coincidence that the person, the moment that these things came into being, was shortly after an encyclopedia salesman became the president of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And uh, first of all, like when you're studying the Bible, you become, and it is determined that you're making spiritual progress, whatever that means, then you become a publisher, which means then uh, you start to record your time. And actually, something very interesting, Juice, is that the organization has stopped reporting time. Remember the yearbook? They stopped reporting time? Yeah. Remember the yearbook at the back? You could get like how many hours were spent each country in the yeah, ministry, uh-huh. they have stopped reporting that as of about two years ago. Probably got embarrassingly low. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> they uh, we have to start lying at this point. Yeah. Again, when you become a publisher, that's when you were supposed to start reporting your time. I don't know what it and, means. And, you know, I remember. I remember when I, because I was a publisher for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, yeah, you too. Like, you, you remember the days, like, how much pride we had, you know? Yeah. Like, to go up and fix the microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like don't let the microphone fall out of place during speech. <laughs> Everybody's looking at each other like, "Who's going? Right? Who's going? <laughs> Who's going?" Yeah, so I got this. Yeah, like for young you know, guys, it, yeah, exactly. For young men, uh, young mm-hmm. boys, that was like the start. That was when you started like <laughs> being able to hold the microphone or you know help with that kind of thing, which was a big deal. Uh, for, you know, because they made it seem like it was such a big deal, and. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, like you can go either way. Most of the time for the guys, you grew up, you became a, a ministerial servant, which was a person who assisted the elders supposedly. And then you could become an elder in the congregation. And, you know, honestly, I never made it up to that level, but I remember the term ministerial servant. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that sounds prestigious in the mud yeah it does sound very that was a prestigious ass title (laughs) yeah and um like that sounds better than elder yeah it it kind of does right like hold on son i'm ministerial (laughs) like you you don't talk to me i'm ministerial here right and but i mean that was for the guys and then for for the sisters you went from publisher and up to maybe a pioneer and then you Mm -hmm. chose what what branch of pioneering you wanted to do 
more than likely they're going to do full-time pioneering. Uh, and then, you know, the, the you could go to any one of the number of schools uh, that they had in New York they called Gilead, which was to train people to uh, extend their ministry, possibly in another country or anything like that. They were also, and then they kind of broke that down even more, and there were a couple of other schools. There were schools for hmm. married couples. There were schools for single guys. There were schools for single women. All that kind of stuff, like with different, I guess, the syllabuses or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just became very, very specialized <laughs> as you got out. And all, all, all in the, with the end goal of standing on the corner with the stack of books next to you and yeah, not moving too much. Right, right. As a matter of fact, the uh, public witnessing you had to be in good standing in the congregation to do that. I see what you did there. Good standing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's, a, that's what they did. That's what they called you had to it. To be good at standing. For a long time. <laughs> uh, that was unintentional fun, but the, that's the truth too. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, all those things were considered privileges, but on the real, they were just chores. You know, they acted like everything you did from wiping out the toilet to mopping the floors in the bathroom to vacuuming the floors at the Kingdom Hall was a privilege. And basically all it really was was just free labor. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's really what it comes down to. Free labor. You get your kids to do it. You get... You get the adults to do it. Remember, everybody would pitch in and like, mm-hmm. like clean the hall at the end of the day. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Here's the thing: I'm not criticizing the unity of cleaning the hall. Right. I'm criticizing the ineptitude of it, like, because it's kind of it's ultimately empty if you're doing that and feeling like that somehow is making you a better person. Right. Because your like, worth was as a good Jehovah's Witness was tied to you doing that stuff. Exactly. Right. What like it was. if you're not clean, if you're not if you're not excited about cleaning the bathroom, then you're not you're not doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like another person who's just you might as well be uh, just out in the world, right? On the street, <laughs> like some, Joe Nobody on the street, and then again, then then came the weaponized spirituality. If you mm-hmm. weren't excited to do those things, you were spiritually weak, and. Uh, no potential uh, mate was going to look at you because, <laughs> you know, you weren't willing to scrub out the toilet um, or whatever. Uh, and and, and, and the toilet is just an extreme case. But, I mean, yeah. seriously, like I remember cleaning out the coat room. Like it was just random stuff they would just have you do. Or, or those weekends where you just go out and mow the lawn. Yeah. I had to lug my own lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. Across yeah, up the until city. Really recently, I don't even think our hall had um, its own equipment well we rebuilt it i guess they bought some stuff but yeah they it was really cheap when you look at it um but then the thing i want to move on and talk about though is the fact that uh people listening to this may not realize that officially me and jews right now talking about this stuff have a title in the Tower bible and track society organization jehovah's witnesses and that's of an apostate. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. Um, apostasy is basically high treason as far as the Jehovah's Witness organization is concerned. Mm-hmm. At this point, we're white walkers. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're the, we're the wildlings on the other side of the wall. Yes. Like, they don't want anything to do with us. <laughs> exactly. Because the actual definition of, apostas- of an apostate is someone who turned 
or changed their belief, not even turned, but changed their beliefs in a religion. Mm-hmm. And Jehovah's Witnesses have taken that word and completely redefined it as someone who is the enemy, that we are simply there to down-talk the religion, to insult them, and make it seem like uh, we hate them and every and we actually indeed hate God. Yeah, that's a really extreme jump right there. Yeah. Like the whole idea that we hate God, like uh, however you feel about what God is or isn't, mm-hmm. like hate is not the term. Right. Just you don't want to talk to apostates. You don't want to read apostate literature um, because then they can infect you. And, you know, you, you don't listen to apostate podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I will make an exception. If you're a witness and you're listening to this right now, please continue to listen to our podcast. Uh, we would really appreciate that. Uh, I'm not going to change our name to the podcast. <laughs> Apostcast. Yes. The apostacast. <laughs> apostacast. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to just read a little section about what Jehovah's Witnesses are told that apostates are. And essentially just people who have left the religion or are no longer interested in being a winner of Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, this is a relatively recent article. This only came out four years ago and August 17th. Um, and it, the, the, the title of it was, Will You Heed God's Clear, Jehovah's Clear Warning? Uh, the paragraph that follows is in paragraph six. It says, the Bible's counsel regarding how to deal with them is clear. Speaking of apostates, avoid them, says God's word. There's no quote for a scripture. Other translations render the phrase, turn away from them, keep away from them, and stay away from them. Uh, that last exclamation point. Exclamation point. <laughs> There's nothing ambiguous about the, that inspired counsel. Now, here's where it gets really weird. Now, this is the cult thinking here. The cult mind control and influence that they put on people. It, the article continues, Suppose that a doctor told you to avoid contact with someone who was infected with a contagious, deadly disease. You would know what the doctor means, and you would strictly heed his warning. Well, and here we go, folks. Apostates are, quote-unquote, mentally diseased, and they seek to infect others with their disloyal teachings. Dude, that's messed up. That is, I am shocked and appalled. First off, it's not a mental situation here. You're right. They, I mean, you uh, want to call me spiritually diseased? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but mentally? Yeah. Really? Really, dude? I'll be the first person to admit I've got some mental stuff i got to work out, but it has nothing to do with me attempting to actually spread uh, the disease of free thinking and, and critical thinking to yeah. other Jehovah's Witnesses. What was the term? What is it? There's a quote. It says, like, smart people look like crazy people to stupid people. <laughs> <laughs> I've never like, heard that one. That's really good, though. No, this shit. That is what people are up against when you try to leave and if you decide to actually think for yourself and think about all the things you've been taught your entire life you are classified as mentally diseased and that's awful and so why why do they do that it's because as i mentioned even in the first podcast this is an organization that is a cult they force you to have a they versus us versus them that's the word i'm looking for they force us to have a us versus them outlook on anybody outside of the walls of that organization if you ever look at what fear-mongering is the jw organization does it in spades Mm -hmm. 
You want to take anecdotal examples. Uh, remember we talked last time about how they had uh, examples of how, oh, if you go into the world, you become like a drug addict immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Like fear-mongering. The whole idea of labeling people who don't agree and who have come out of this organization as mentally diseased. Fear-mongering. Saying we're contagious. I mean, ideas are contagious, but it's not a disease. Right. That's fear-mongering. Like, the whole labeling. Like, labeling everything. The apostate label. Like, if you, you stick a label on, the, on a group of people. And, and you add an immediate negative connotation to that. Like, just fear-mongering. Like, it's all fear-mongering. They want you to be scared. They will, and they, they, here's the thing. They won't hide the fact that they want you to be scared. No, they don't. They'll say, fear is healthy. Mm-hmm. You should have good fear. You have a good degree of fear. They have literally but when it's fear of fear. ideas. Remember, godly fear. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. Godly fear is one of their... I don't know if it's a tenant, but it's one of their yeah, it's a, biggest points, right? Yeah. And it's and, interesting because when they define godly fear, they go, it's not a morbid fear, like a fear, which inherently just means fear of your life, right? Fear for your life. But then they went and defined it as it's a fear of doing, of displeasing God. And then they stopped it there. But the fact is, if you displease God by their teachings, you're going to die. So it's the same thing. <laughs> it's fear. It's fear. It's still fear. Scared of death. Scared of not making it to the paradise. Scared of this. Scared of that. Like you live in a state of perpetual fear. And what we know about fear is that f- living in fear is a place where true love, like love, cannot grow. It cannot be grow healthily. At least you could have like people think fear is the equivalent of love, but no, it's not. Like to fear somebody is not respecting somebody. Mm-hmm. Like so. A living in a state of fear is not gonna is not beneficial for the individual. Fear is a device used to keep people online for the organization. And I had done some research a little bit because I just wanted to make sure people understood that I'm not just throwing the word cult around. That we're not just throwing the cult, word cult around uh, for no reason. I went to I just did a search in Google and for what are common cult tactics. And this is a website, www.decision-making-confidence.com. And number one is manip- manipulation through fear and guilt. Mm, boom. See, and we're not even professionals. <laughs> right. We came up with that. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Um, emotional highs and lows. Anytime you are at a kingdom hall, you're supposed to feel emotionally high. And you do. You really do, because you're around people that you that supposedly care about you, and they love bomb you and hug you and smile at you and talk at you, and they and it's not like they're doing that fake. They're not being fake. They really aren't. They really, everyone pretty much believes in it and are, are doing their best to be a part of that. But the fact is, it 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 causes it's because of the environment that they've created there. But if you spend time away from the kingdom hall, if you spend time away from people who are Jehovah's Witnesses who are spiritually strong. If you spend time away from the ministry, you are then to feel bad and guilty for not serving God. And Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happens. And you get into these very emotional lows. You can feel downright depressed because you're not doing those things because, you know, you've been required to do that. Another thing that they use a lot is loaded language. Everyone in the group feels understood uh, because they all use the same words and have a sense of camaraderie. Right? And elitism. And let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jehovah's oh, Witnesses, that. without question, if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, I'm going to tell you right now, 
A ghost witness thinks they're better than you. Period. 100%. 100%. All JWs think they are better than you. Yeah. Um, How do we know? Because we've been yeah. there. It was, I was at a convention or assembly at a platform, and uh, one of the brothers literally just said it right straight out. Yes, we are better than them. Um, and... Oh, that's humble. Yeah, right, right, right. Way to Christian it up. Yeah. <laughs> They're really good at that. Um, also, one of the things I want to mention, too, is complex situations are often reduced to a few words. And that begins to shut down critical thinking of the members. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, black and white thinking. Yep. It's right or good, wrong. Bad. And if it's wrong, then you don't do it. Joe's witnesses would say, you know, you know, on, on one side is on one side of the fence is God and the other side of the fence is the devil. And you can't sit on the fence because the devil owns the fence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how they view everything. Everything is black yeah. and white. There's no gray area. There's no right or wrong, which that allows the people in the cult to justify things like ratting out people who have been their best friends for their entire lives or their spouses or whatever the case is because if they're wrong then they have to be right and they're doing you a favor by straightening you out yeah so yeah so again those are all the kind of things that they do and i that kind of leads me to one thing i I do want to talk about more in depth next week our next our next podcast is that um one of the biggest things a lot of us like to do or want to do when we're out of a religion, a dangerous cult like this, like is human nature is to save our families, save our friends, wake mm-hmm. them up, let them know that, you know, this is scary and bad and awful. And generally speaking, those efforts fall on deaf ears because there's no critical thinking. As, right. as soon as you say anything against Jehovah's Witnesses to a Jehovah's Witness, their ears and mind turn off. It's like the old analogy, actually an analogy JWs use. It's like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't wear, uh, make him drink. Yeah. And so that's how like getting out of the cult is. Mm. It's, it's along those same lines. It's always out there. It's available. Like the, the, the larger ideas, the bigger views of the world, like these things are out there. And they've been out there the entire time. But when somebody's comfortable in this little box, to step out of that box is a lot of work. And you can help facilitate, and that's all we're doing here. We're just trying to help facilitate. But ultimately, like, they're going to have to do it themselves. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and be patient with them, you know? Like, unfortunately, it's not easy, and they'll probably be just as quick to write you off. But you got to be patient with them and... and, and same thing they would say. You set a good example. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Like, and you know how you set a good example? Enjoy your life. That is the most important thing, Juice. You have to try to enjoy your life. Yeah. Because, again, the mindset that they put on people is that once you leave the Jehovah's Witness cult, you are no longer, you no longer have Jehovah's blessing. Mm-hmm. To the extent that... They will make that you think you're... Co- if you are... After the judicial committee, and they have decided that you are no longer a Jehovah's Witness and they disfellowship you, they don't pray over you. <gasps> what? Now, it sounds kind of ridiculous, you know, from I know, this in side hindsight. Of but the thing is, <laughs> okay. they just want to knock home the idea that you don't have God's blessing anymore. Like their prayers were it. Yeah. 
were the blessing. Like, mm-hmm. without their prayers, God was like, say what? They believe they <laughs> have literally turned you over to Satan the devil. Mm-hmm. And that your life is just, until you come back, your life is going to be a shambles. And I want to make sure also people recognize that. Because I was disfellowshipped. Uh, but I still say that I left Jehovah's Witnesses. Because there are a lot of people who are who become disfellowshipped and decide to go back. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that was a whole thing. And they, and they love that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the, if I decided that I wanted to go back, I couldn't. Okay. I could stop this podcast, stop actually enjoying my life and go back uh, <laughs> to being a Jehovah's Witness if I so chose after about a one year probationary period, basically. Um, but that's like asking... A black person in 1800s go back to slavery. Like you broke free. Like you got away. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you, went down not, the, you went through the Underground Railroad and you made it. And you're like, woo, I'm in the North. And you're like, man, you know what, though? <laughs> that has a great structure back then. <laughs> right, yeah. No. Exactly. You're not, it's not it's going like to happen. I'm going to pass. Um, and again, and again, and again. I always want to make sure people understand. We're having a little bit of fun here. But the, the fact is... Yeah. There are a lot of, as of last count, I think it was 8 million Jehovah's Witnesses that are trapped in this organization and don't even realize it. And then there's a portion of those people who are in, who are what you know a lot of XJWs call uh, PIMOs. They're physically in, but they're mentally out. I've got a really good friend who's physically that's, in, but mentally out. And you know That sounds like the worst to me. Yeah. Like to know that... to. To be stuck in there because for whatever reason your family's there, mm-hmm. your your friends are there. You don't have any other kind of a uh, 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 support system to be what do you call it PIMO. Mm-hmm. Like to be in that situation, it's a state of limbo, and it sounds unbearable yeah. to know that you have to act like you got to follow these rules. Yeah, exactly. And if I have any friends or listeners right now listening to this, if we have any listeners who are in that situation, our heart goes out to you. Because that's a really, really, really rough t- uh, situation to be in. And um, hopefully, you know, listening to podcasts and getting support will assist you in, like, pushing through until you can make your own situation. Yeah, do what you have to do. Yeah. If you got to keep your head down and go into the ministry and, you know, show videos and all that kind of stuff. Because, oh, Juice, did you know that they don't really give out publications very much anymore in the ministry? It is now no. all tab- a lot of tablets, and they hand people those tablets with videos from the JW.org website. Oh, so you don't, so it's not like a whole lot of talking anymore. You're just like, hey. No, because you can video. mess up a presentation, but you can't mess up a video. Um, unless, of course, you go to the John Cedars channel and download the video that says, all you need to know about Jehovah's Witnesses in five minutes. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um the even the presentations for you don't have to really put a presentation together anymore it is verbatim given to you by means of a video that comes from the headquarters um <laughs> uh, that they display at the meetings so you don't really all you have to do is kind of memorize what they tell you to do and you're done and that's it yeah man how's that for value mm. for like your value how's that feel it, uh, your value is to be the medium for the organization to hand a video mm-hmm. out to 
a rando who's for some reason interested in these random people standing on the corner. Yeah, I remember actually telling people that were in my congregation, I thought it was amazing that people still wanted to listen to us anymore. And they just looked <laughs> cop stopped. And I was 100% in, you know, I was still 100% Jehovah's Witness. But to me, that was just really interesting because, you know, a lot of people aren't really into that kind of thing when it comes to religion and stuff, especially some random person coming to their door and trying to talk to them about the Bible. But yeah, like how, like I guarantee that like people, like I, I know I'm hyper focused on the people just standing outside, like in the metro or whatever. Yeah. But it's like there's no chance anybody stopping. <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I don't, I don't, I've never seen them talk to a single person, and I see them all the time. Yeah. And I never see a person talking to them. Like I'm standing next to a cart, smiling. Sometimes sitting yeah. next to the cart, or just talking to each other. Yeah, that's mostly what it's like. Do. What are, and, and everybody knows who they are. Nobody's confused about what this is about. And they're like, "Shh, don't come to my door." Yeah, exactly. They're like, "I don't, I don't want them to come to my door. Why would I volunteer myself to go to talk to them on purpose?" Right. It just makes them easier <laughs> to ignore, and it's just busy yeah, work. It's, it's crazy. all. It's yeah. all it really is. The governing body is making it easier and easier for people not to have to put actual thought into the process. Just go out. I think that's going to be a big mistake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely would. Like that, I think that, that trying, those, the governing body or whatever, trying to micromanage from on high mm-hmm. is going to shake people to the point where they're going to lose their grounding of what made them give them perp- like people purpose of having to do these things themselves. Yeah. And you start handing out videos, but hey, watch this video so you don't have to preach and you don't have to express your your yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of definitely takes away from the experience, I suppose. It really does. That part of it kind of happened closer to when I was just t- kind of mentally out of things, uh, mm-hmm. of the religion. And because it wasn't the religion I had grown up in, it wasn't, you know, there was no pride in what I was doing anymore because I didn't have to do anything. Um, like even as kids, I remember like you know everybody had that that little high of giving a good presentation. Mm-hmm. Of like yeah, of like relating with somebody who you didn't know, like that was a cool thing. Yeah, but you're not doing that. And anymore. yet, yeah, you, yeah, that's not happening no more. They don't even. I've had witnesses come to this to my house three times uh, since I've moved here about a year ago. Really? Yeah, and. I just say not interested. There's no like effort at all to like engage me yeah. or anything like they're like, okay, bye. Just turn around. Yeah. Just, like, Wait, I'm not like mean knew, or anything like that, you know. We all knew that brother or sister that was a spin artist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we well, we take were all that. kind of I'm not interested. We were caught like, oh, we were taught to be Oh, so you're we? not interested in life? <laughs> or you or like they'll like try to spin it, but like what is it that you're not interested in exactly? Yeah, that was the reasoning like, book. <laughs> the reasoning book is no longer in publication. What? Yeah, that was the book that we used. There was a section called Conversation Stoppers. And how we could like rebut people who said, you know, I'm not interested or whatever the case. And then we could just, you know, open that book. And literally, we were encouraged to read right from the book. They stopped publishing that book about six years ago. What that long ago? Yeah. The reasoning book was the go-to. That was the textbook for preaching. Yeah, that was it. It's gone. I mean, it was a textbook for a lot of JW stuff. Honestly, mm-hmm. you're not. Wait, so do they still have the Greatest Man book? Because 
Nope, that's also out of. I believe it's out of circulation. You can you can get all the that's books crazy. online. You can go to the JW.org website, the Watchtower uh, online, Just download it, and read them online. But they are out of publication. They are no longer printed. A lot of those books, which were references and guidebooks and encyclopedias, basically for our faith. Real talk. That was a good book, though. <laughs> the greatest man book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good. Book. It was fun. <laughs> Yeah, some of, like, them, stuff some in of there. the books weren't so so bad, but um, yeah, like, I mean, come on, like, look, look, we are not JW haters here. Mm-hmm. We don't like the organization, but sometimes, like, if it comes to like, like Christian stuff or like, like learn about Jesus and stuff like that, like the stories, like the Bible in itself is a fascinating book. So sometimes, I know it sounds like we come off a little bit hard on them, or we crack on on JWs a lot, but. Like, one, we do want to acknowledge what's interesting, mm-hmm. but also want to make sure that you're not, you're not stuck in there, right? We want right. to make sure that you know that you can get out and you can live a good life and still enjoy elements, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, it's not black and white. Like, like being outside is not the black and white that they would like you to think the world is. Like, there's a gray area where you can be like, hey, uh, uh. Like the, the greatest man book, I guess, is, or the Bible story book. Like these are great stories, you know. Yeah, we really, again, as always, we appreciate everyone who listens, and uh, we finally figured out a schedule. Every other week, there will be a new podcast, and it will usually be uploaded by Wednesday, and uh, we'll make sure that happens for you all. We are on Stitcher. We are on Google Play Music. Um, Podbean is the main one we upload to. Look up FOTW Podcast on any of those sources. And I think what I'll do also is give a link to the RSS feed so you can add it to whatever podcast uh, program you like to listen to. Please listen and subscribe. We really appreciate it. We know we're just getting started here, but we appreciate everyone who listens. Email us at FOTWpodcast at Outlook.com, at FOTWpodcast on Twitter. Uh, just know that you're not alone. You can survive, and you can find yourself outside of this cult. And thanks again for your time listening. And It's a big world. It is. Peace. Peace. Peace.